Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hey, Scott. Welcome back to another week. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's good to be back here for another week. Yeah. What do we have going on today? Uh, You know, today we've been doing a lot of listener questions, but there's actually this... um, there's this idea that I think would be helpful for everyone to get a better, you know, we've talked a lot about in the past, um, what's a good, you know, how much debt should someone have? What are debt payments? Taxes, we've talked about big picture before. Um, how much savings rate should someone have? We often hear that question come up. Um, you know, how do people budget? And I just, I was thinking, let's have a conversation today about how people can get a pretty quick in a pretty quick way start to understand their cash flow mm-hmm. and from that once they have some an understanding of where things are start thinking about things they might want to do next right does that sound fair i think it sounds fair especially because a lot of our episodes i think we'll talk about you know how much should you be saving or how right. much should you be paying in taxes or what is and, and so we talk about maybe some metrics to look at but a lot of people i imagine are thinking well how do i even know how much I'm paying in taxes? How do I even know how much I'm actually saving? How do I know some of this? So this is kind of a foundational just stuff to know so that you can apply some of the other things we talk about. Yeah, you know, I think I kind of view it as like, let's zoom out for this conversation so that you, the listener, can figure out where you need to zoom in next. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Great. Okay, cool. Let's zoom out. Where do we start? So where we're going to start is with what I would call total, your total annual income. Total annual income. Yeah. And so what we care about is not what did, what if you're working for someone, it's not what shows up in your bank account that we care about here. We actually care about what's the total amount of compensation that you got paid mm. in a year. Before stuff was taken out, you're Before telling me. Before stuff was taken out. We want to look at what's called gross annual income, not net mm. annual income. Okay. So what might be included in gross? What would the difference be? I, like, I, I know that what hits my bank account is after- my 401k contributions come out. That could it's be after already, mm-hmm. some some taxes. Mm-hmm. Is that the only difference or what? How do I back into my gross? Yeah, why don't we just get bigger match? picture for a second than that? So just big picture, um, like you and Ashlyn, um, you're going to look at for your business, what did your business make last year, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then Ashlyn's going to look at what she got paid last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if you guys had any, if you have any... Um, investments that are actually taxable that are paying you dividends and interest that's going to show up on your tax return let's include those okay and let's say maybe for a stop for a second maybe you work in a corporation where you have restricted stock income or something like that or you got Mm. cash bonuses let's include those yeah yeah Yeah. so any income sources across the board any income sources across the board if you have a rental income if you have a rental let's add in your rental income Mm -hmm. let's just put it all in there great does that make sense? Every every time someone's giving you a dollar that you're earning in some capacity, let's add it into your total annual income. Yep. 
Yeah. Where can I find this? Do I have to go back and kind of track down pay stubs and all this stuff? Or what would you recommend? Well, I bet most of us can do it pretty quickly off the top of our heads. But if you want to double check it, go look at your most recent tax return. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have things like if you own a business and you're depreciating things, you might want to add back depreciation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, well, like you said, but if you're, if you have one salary and maybe bonus, that's it. You probably know what that is. Pretty quickly. Here's my salary and here's my bonus. Yeah. But if you have a rental property or a business or a side hustle called or just whatever else you have going on, once you have more than one thing, that's where you may want to look at the tax return to see that's where everything's going to ultimately flow to. Right. So pull information from that because this is kind of the, the first piece of information we need to then flow into some of the other things. Exactly. What do we look at next? So from there, we're going to look at really four areas of your life. And those four areas should roughly, and I'm saying roughly because it's not going to be perfect, should roughly add up to 100% when you start figuring out what these numbers are. Wow. And we'll get to why in a second. Love math. Yeah, math. Um, so the first thing we want to look at is what what's your savings rate relative to your gross income, mm-hmm. right? We talk about percentages all the time, but I think we can get lost in that really quickly mm-hmm. and think about what percentage am I saving? Well, if we think about percentage of savings of net income, um, our savings number can be much, much higher. Uh, our savings rate can be much higher on net income than it will be on gross income. Got it. And so what we care about is really that gross number. Yeah. Yeah. So, so once we know our gross number, we're going to use that um, as our denominator for all of us who've been a while since we've been in. in, wow. in I've heard that term in a long time. In, I have a third grader, so I hear denominator <laughs> now. Uh, that's going to be that bottom line number. And all of these other numbers that we're going to talk about are going to go on top. We're going to figure out the percentage of our, our gross annual income, what's going to savings, mm-hmm. right? So let's talk about what, what, we, what would we put in savings? What would you put there? I would put things like retirement contributions. Obviously. Yes, I'm with you. I would put things like long-term investments. What uh, do you mean? Uh, stuff that's maybe not earmarked towards retirement, but brokerage accounts, stuff you're funneling inside. You could yep. think of those as one of the same, or you could think of them as differently. Yep. Here's where there's... So so let's say, for example, I'm saving for vacations each month. So Ashley yep. and I, we take a, a, a big trip each year, let's say. Yeah. We put some money aside each month. And I yep. look at that, oh, that, I'm doing pretty good. I'm saving. Uh-huh. What would you say to that? I would not count that for savings here. Shoot. I'm really proud of you that you're doing that to go on those vacations <laughs> and have them paid for so you don't go into debt going on vacation. But I would not count that here. I would consider that like deferred spending, right? Mm-hmm. We're just, we're just, we're going to say, we're going to spend in our future. It's not for something that's really helping us build wealth. You're saving to spend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But what you were saying before, 401ks, if we're IRAs, HSAs, like all the backdoor Roth conversions we've talked about in the past, savings to taxable accounts, savings for a down payment on a home. Mm-hmm. This may be going into a cash account. That's going to be an asset on your balance sheet in the future. That counts as savings. And I think that's the key difference of you could look at saving for a home and say, well, you're, I'm saving that to spend it too. Well, the difference is when I save to spend on a vacation, there's no asset. I'm, right. I purchased M- memories. an experience or a memory. Yeah, you can't take away from those memories. Right. They're worth a lot. They're not going to be on my financial balance sheet, though. Not I'm in this, not in this instance. Yeah. I am saving up money. Yes, it's to be spent, but it's to be spent on something that is an asset that will yes. ideally continue to appreciate. Exactly. I think you could also put like, you know, it's technically, it's kind of, to me, it's a little gray, but I think it's a good, good for you to put it there. Like 529 accounts, you're saving for a specific goal in the future. It just happens to be for your kids, not for your own financial freedom. I think that counts for savings. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. So we talk about this a decent amount, but 
as I'm saving, whether it's to HSAs or 401ks or Roth IRAs or whatever it is, what's a is there a benchmark for that? Or what would you think about? There's not. I mean, we've always said the you want to try to be saving at least 10%. Mm-hmm. We've never really geeked out on it too much on detail here, but just think about it simplistically. If you make, you know, 50 grand a year and save 10% of your salary now till you retire, you're probably going to be okay. And you get social security. So you probably get relative to your amount of income. So you're probably in a pretty good place. Mm -hmm. If you make $300,000 a year, saving 10% of your salary, add in your social security, you get capped on social security. You probably need to be saving more to be living the lifestyle that you want to live in your future. Mm -hmm. So the answer is as always on our show, it depends, Mm -hmm. right? For what the ideal is. Mm -hmm. I think ideally, if you can be in that 15 to 20% range, you're probably doing really well. Right. Um, if you can go higher than that because you want to retire faster, great. If you want to go less than that because you want to work forever, great. Yeah. It's, it's always dependent upon the individual. Yeah. It, it depends, but whether or not it's 10% or 20% or 15%, the bottom line is you do need to know what your savings rate is mm-hmm. because then it then when the answer is it depends when you can customize that to you, you actually know what your savings rate is as compared to your specific necessary savings rate. So yep. um, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think looking in that range is good for some higher, for some lower, but that's not the point of today's conversation. It's more just how do you factor it what is your savings rate? Yeah. And it's just, honestly, it's just knowing, right? Most people don't know this yeah. number. Yep. So how can you make an improvement or make a really mindful choice if you don't know where you are today? Yep. That's really what this is all about. Yep. The next thing I think we should shift to is debt payments. Mm. So of lists, you know, and I'm not saying list the amount you owe on your mortgage or the amount you owe on your student loan, but what is the minimum payment that you need to make for all of your debts? Mm-hmm. Make that an annual number, divide that by your total annual income. You now have the percentage of debt payments relative to your income. Yep. Right? And, and obviously that's helpful to know, but what are some practical reasons why that, why that can be helpful? So if it's really, really high, you might, you might want to, you might now understand why you feel like you don't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, if it's quite honestly, it could be really, really low and it may be, it may behoove you to, um, to utilize debt for various reasons. You know, we've talked about good debt and bad debt before, and sometimes having leverage on certain types of assets can be helpful for you building your wealth Mm -hmm. if you want to do it. Mm -hmm. But again, it just helps you know, how does this compare? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, A a, a debt ratio of 60%, right? That's probably going to be pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, but but again, the answer is probably it depends, right? Like if you just bought a practice or a business, and you're doing it largely, and it's a great cash flowing business, but it required debt to buy it. And you're young, well, that could be completely reasonable. Right. Or if it was like a lot of people that we see who are like corporate earners and like things like that, that's probably a big problem. Yeah. So the answer is always it. It depends, but it yeah. let it tell. This is all about storytelling to me mm-hmm. for for you guys, the listeners at home. How much do you earn, and what do these percentages shake out to, so you can understand what are you doing, and is there anything else you could be doing? Well, and to use your example, let's say it is a young dentist who just bought a practice. Well, until you know your debt payment ratio, your your amount of good debt is going to be very different than a corporate person's amount of good debt. But when, once you do know your numbers, you can compare that to other young dentists who are just starting their practices and get some good sense of, for people like me, what's a good 
level of debt or what's a good level of savings or what's a good level of whatever. But knowing your numbers is the key to all of this, because if you don't know your numbers and you have no idea how you stand compared to where you should stand. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, from debt payments, let's talk about what everyone's probably just going to call spending. I like to call it living, right? Because <laughs> <Nice> <laughs> we need, we need something to live. Yeah. Right. But the question is what percentage of our income do we actually use to just live life? We're not paying debt payments. We're not saving the other component that's about to come up taxes. We're not paying. It's just, this is what we use to live life. Yeah. So that's, I mean, which in summary is anything that's not savings anything that's not debt payments, anything that's not taxes yeah. is living. Mm-hmm. So pretty straightforward there. Mm-hmm. Um, any Anything to add to that or just kind of- No, hey, I think just know what it is. Know what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is we did an episode a long, long time ago called um, Budgeting Sucks, Do This Instead. And to me, it's like, well, if I mindfully know what I need to live, then I can give myself, I can almost give myself, my family, like we actually do this at home. We give ourselves a monthly amount to live on. Mm-hmm. And now that we know that as our income grows, our taxes are going to go up. Um, our savings rate can certainly go up. Our debt payments stay pretty static and our living stays static, right? So you quickly can create wealth for yourself that mm-hmm. way. If you just go live in to all of the extra income and you don't pay attention to it, well, now you make it harder to retire because now we're not saving as much and we're spending more, Yeah. right? Yeah. So like these all interplay with each other. Mm-hmm. So it's important to see that. Yeah, in in living expenses, this is one that's good to know both the percentage, like what percentage of my annual income am I living on, but also the dollar amount for the reason you just gave. Absolutely. I maybe don't want my living expenses to rise step in step with what my income is doing. Absolutely. Can I learn to live on what I need to, and then as it grows, save more? I mean, I I shouldn't say there's no should, but what's what's most important to you? What's Mm -hmm. most intentional to you? Is it living more? Is it spending more? Is it uh, doing other things? You'll be able to work through that easier when you know those numbers. Exactly. Um, The last thing that comes up is taxes. Yeah. The reason why I said before that this will probably not add up to 100% is because you could be forward casting your savings and your income and maybe you know your living expenses, but you're probably going to pull your tax numbers off of your tax return. Yeah. Right. And you're actually going to go find the federal on the federal part. I forget what line it is, but it literally says your taxable, your, your, your taxes owed or your tax amount. Mm -hmm. So it's, and that, what that means, like if you're, if you're a W2 employee, you may not think you pay much in taxes because you just think like, we just might kind of think like, oh, I need to send them a little extra or, oh, I get a refund. But no, we actually care about that line that says like, this was your total tax bill. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we figured out if you owed more, you got a refund. Mm-hmm. want to know that. And we want to know that if you, in your state, you have to pay taxes as well. Mm-hmm. Those two things together divided by your gross annual income, that's roughly the taxes. Then we could, you get more refined than that, but that's good enough. Yeah. Good starting spot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Any any other categories? Or does that kind of cover everything? The only thing I would add is that if you don't add up to a hundred and there's a lot of room left, then I would just add another line for what we would just call excess, which basically means you have extra money that you haven't allocated savings, you haven't lived into yet, you're not making maybe extra debt payments on. And so you might want to think about what you want to do with that. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, that's really fun. Extra money. Let's do that. Could always do something with that. Yeah. But it's just, it's a simple framework 
Like when, when, when we, you know, we talk to clients, one of the things that we'll look at is just what is your savings rate and your debt payment and your taxes? And do you have an excess? And if you do have an excess based on who you are and where you want to go in life, what should you be doing next? Mm -hmm. This can really drive a lot of decisions really quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like this. And you look at this and it's, well, that's simple. Well, yeah, it's, it should be simple to start. Yeah, you. I think too many people make this way too complicated, way too confusing, and then you don't don't do anything. Well, but like, the, what's the point of going and finding like, how should I tweak my investments on my back to a Roth conversions when you have way too much in debt payments mm-hmm. and you should be focusing on that instead? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's like let's look at the big picture. Now let's look at where we should focus. Now let's go do that. Yes. Agreed. Yeah? Agreed. I like it. Anything else to add on this? No, I just, I hope that you guys can take the time to go add up the total income for yourself and find these like four percentages for yourself just to see where you're at. Cause with that, you can start to make choices about what you should do next. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. This is very, um, it's, it's straightforward, but it's very foundational in terms of everything else we talk about. Yeah. So very good. Sweet. Well, thank you all for listening. And we will see you next time. See you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.